Hello and welcome to Com Majors Podcast. I'm Brian Costello. And I'm Jim DeSanto. Today we're going to be looking at the 2017 Oscar winner for Best Picture, The Shape of Water. But before that, our always most important question of every episode, what are we drinking tonight? What do you uh, got, Jim? I, this is a bit of a departure. Um, I am currently drinking Dasani sparkled water. <laughs> sparkling oh, wow. water. Uh, tropical pineapple flavor. It's delicious. Wow. Um, I apologize, Brian, for not joining you in your alcoholic well, you are beverage. And gen- yeah, I, I've had a, I've had a few, um, so I didn't want to overdo it. Uh, you know, school night and all. New job. <laughs> New job. Yeah. Probably not a great idea to show up. Uh, uh, but stay tuned, and, and at the end, I'll give you some recommendations on something I did have while I was out at happy hour that you ah, should definitely perfect. try. Okay, well, that's wonderful. Uh, I went very authentic. The Shape of Water, of course, is set in the amazing city of Baltimore, uh, which you may know from shows like The Wire uh, or <laughs> or Homicide. Yeah. <laughs> you never really anything too exciting. Um, uh, or uh, He Said, She Said with Kevin Bacon and Elizabeth Perkins, if true. you're looking for an 80s movie reference. Or uh, The Cake Show, uh, Charms oh, and Cakes. Oh, yeah, was Buddy, that, uh, right? Buddy... No, 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 some... no, no, no. That's no, the Cake different. Boss. That's, that's oh, guys okay. like New York all through and through. Oh, he's New Jersey, isn't Duff. he, that guy? Duff was okay. uh, Ace of Cakes, right? All right, yes. So I went very authentic. I got no- National Bohemian Beer, Natty <laughs> Bow. Uh, it actually has a crab on the tab. Uh, this is impossible to find, by the way, in New England. Luckily, a friend of the show, Craig Goldberg, had a couple of cans in his fridge, and I, I went over and uh, hijacked a can uh, for tonight's show. I'm not it actually looks, it's got a little Maryland flag on it. So if you look, it's going around the outside. How of it. long has that been in Craig's fridge? Uh, I don't know. No, he's had somebody bring it up. So um, he gets it kind of in like it's a frequent thing in his fridge. He actually gets every once in a while. Oh, man. So it's I I don't really it's it's fantastic. We all we want authenticity here on the program. OK. okay. Uh, so those are our drinks of the week. Uh, so we're going to start out as usual with our fact check segment. Uh, those of you who watch us live on Twitch, uh, though, it probably will be cut out due to our licensing agreement yep. uh, during the pre-show. We were rocking out uh, this week's vote for my pre-show music was between Captain and Tennille's Love Will Keep It Together, which I thought would win, but <laughs> lost out by a large margin, 71% of the vote, going to Billy Ocean's Get Out of My Dreams and Into My Car. Uh, of course, best probably known for being the title track of the amazing Corey Haim, Corey Feldman movie, uh, License to Drive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Did you Do you remember License to Drive, Jim? Uh, I do. I don't remember a ton about the plot, but I feel like any of those Corey movies were pretty similar. I think it's impressive you thought that there was a plot. In, in the film, I'm, I'm not sure there were. It's a grand total of an hour and 25 minutes long, but it does feature in one of her earliest roles, Heather Graham, as the girl that Corey Haim was trying to get out of his dreams and into his car. Uh, <laughs> and I, I think we will watch this film, not for the show, but I'm going to. I think when Jim comes up to Boston, we might rent uh, License to Drive and, and watch it. Uh, they could just add to the amazing weekend yeah, yeah. plan. You're. Give me one second, Brad. Your camera is frozen. Let me see if I can put you on hold real quick. Okay. Yeah, you're back. There you go. Okay. Here we go. Uh, small technical difficulty. We're back. A yeah, yeah. uh, couple other things here for fact check. Uh, last week's show, uh, we talked about Jim's infinity decanter. Oh, uh, yeah. 
which uh, he actually texted me this week and he watched. Uh, he and his wife Katie were watching Infinity War. We did. Uh, hence, we want to see. I remember my my idea last week was could we get Jim to mix the uh, little elements of the end of all these whiskey bottles into the Infinity Decanter so that when we see uh, the next Avengers movie, we could drink out of that. So what what do what do we have here? Could we? So this is was gifted to me uh, for my 40th birthday from uh, my friend Keenan Laird, who is the uh, amazing co-host of Pop Idol uh, podcast, um, and it is a stormtrooper. You can't really yes. see it. There. I have to put it. We'll, in, we'll, we'll put a picture up. Yeah, uh, on some, it, some it media, is the so. stormtrooper decanter, which you can see. I haven't filled it with anything yet. But um, yeah, we'll get that we'll, going. Yeah, we'll get that going. Awesome. Uh, also, Jim had some homework, and this week he completed it. I texted him today. <laughs> did, uh, we asked did. him to watch an episode of the show uh, Puppy Dog Pals, <laughs> because if you notice last week, one of the things came up was Harlan Williams, the creator of p- said Puppy Dog Pals, was right, the right. crazy serial killer. Uh, in like one <laughs> sentence, what was your thought on Puppy Dog Pals? You know, it's funny. When, when I started watching it, I was like, oh, yeah, my daughter has watched this before. Um, I don't, as far as uh, kids shows go, didn't hate it. It was no. too little What'd you pucks. think of the theme song? The theme song was classic. I like it. It's got it's that classic. kind of like 80s yeah. pu- 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 puppy dog. Yeah. And you get the little keyboard in it. Oh, right, love. but it also gives you like the whole plot too, which is perfect for those you know, yeah. kind of theme songs. Repetition. Yeah. It, it works. It worked for me in my juvenile mind. I enjoy <laughs> that. Uh, many parents uh, of we know many uh, oh, have there, kids there that are will know Puppy Dog Pals. And Harlan Williams kind of make himself look a little better as Bob than he's looking right now in real right. life. And he, his voice is way less creepy in Puppy Dog Pals. Yes, than, thankfully. That yeah, would be yeah. a little disturbing. Yeah. Uh, okay, that leads us into, though, so we know what Harlan Williams is doing now uh, in his post, Something About Mary Days. We kind of talked a little bit about was Something About Mary the high watermark for some of the actors in that film. So first of all, we can take Ben Stiller off that list that we were talking about. He went on to much bigger movies actually than something about Mary. In fact, if you were to list some of those, he did the night at the museum films, uh, Starsky and Hutch made more than right, that. Right. Uh, I mean, you, you could just keep going. He, he did a lot after this. Um, the people we kind of brought up was dodgeball, which is, I mean, but there was tons of other stuff. Uh, Matt Dillon. Now, what did Matt Dillon go on to do? Now the two things, there's a slew of films that I don't think anybody really had seen from Matt Dillon after this. Uh, by the way, let me tell you something. Matt Dillon's, IMDb, when you click on it, it says something about Mary. So that tells you even IMDb <laughs> thinks this is the high watermark for him. Uh, the same year he made this movie, he made Wild Things with Bill Murray, Nev right, Campbell, right, right. Denise Rich. So that was out there. And then a little bit later, I had completely forgot about this. He actually got an Oscar nomination uh, for the movie Crash. Which is the Paul Haggis best one best picture. I had completely forgot in my mind that he was involved in that movie. But so that those are kind of the two things. And he's doing some other stuff now. I mean, he's constantly working. But I think from a from a hit perspective, this is right up there as one of his. Yeah. And who would have thought that uh, Kevin Dillon would have sort of overtaken him? 
Well, I guess now he's kind of cooled off, but with Entourage. Oh, with Entourage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. well, he did surpass him there for yeah, a while. Yeah. Um, second one was Cameron Diaz, who I was a little hard on uh, in terms of what she went on to. She worked with a lot of big people after this. She was in Gangs in New York, so she worked with Scorsese. She did a lot of other comedies and things like that. I, I still kind of stand by, I think, in terms of performance-wise, this might be her most notable performance. Sure, Again, sure. IMDb lists something about Mary as her movie. So I'm not the only one there. Right, right, I will right. say, though, she was the voice of Princess Fiona in the Shrek movies. And Shrek blew out box office right, wise right, anything yeah. else there. Uh, and then finally, the the Farrelly brothers. Um, I really forgot what had come before this. We briefly talked about Dumb and Dumber last week. You know what movie we didn't talk about? Kingpin. Kingpin. Now, you have to admit, that is... That's that a good is one. Great. And that it, is, it, there is something to that movie, specifically with Woody Harrelson and and uh, Bill Murray, that is just off the charts funny. Oh, yeah. um, no, but it is, I think that's a legit good movie, in my right, opinion. Right. Like, I, I, if you had told me Kingpin or something about Mary, I'll take Kingpin all day. Um, mm-hmm. But that was before. Now, here's just a sampling of what was after for them. Shallow Hal... Me, yeah. myself, and Irene, Boo. stuck on you, hall pass, fever pitch, um, fever pitch. The Jimmy the, Fallon. Yeah, that was them. Wow, that's that that's their best movie by far. Oh, oh that's a great movie. But yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, nothing that kind of fell in it. But I, as a quick side note, Peter Farrelly actually wrote, I think wrote, but definitely directed Green Book, which you might see start seeing commercials for now, which is in the running. It's Viggo Mortensen and, oh God, Ali, I forget, the guy, uh, he won the Oscar. Uh, he's great. He was yeah, in... Yeah. Uh, might the be House the of Cards picture. guy? Yeah. yeah. It might be it might be best picture this year. So they're on to and that. He, is he now, the one that's in um uh True Detective season three? Yeah, true, yeah, yeah. all those things. So that that's a big one. Uh quick trivia question though, Jim. There was three finalists for the Ben Stiller role. Ben Stiller got the role. Do you Ooh. do you know who the other two might have been from that time period? And I'll give you a hint. One of the people was a star in one of the the later um Farrelly Brother movies that I just referenced. Okay, so uh, Jim Carrey? Not Jim Carrey. Good guess. Okay, um, good guess. And one I don't think you'll get it. I'll give you one more guess and then I'll tell you the two. Jack Black. What? No. Jack Black's <laughs> not. Jack, a little too, Jack Black was actually probably a little too young yeah. then. Um, Owen Wilson. Okay. Which makes sense from that time period. Sure, I still think sure. Ben, I think Ben Stiller was the best off. John Stewart. John Stewart. Yeah, which is basically but, like at that point they were sort of in, not interchangeable, but John Stewart hadn't really done anything at that point. John that Stewart was like actually, big. my one of my comedic idols, which hangs above me right there. I'm pointing. You can kind of see I'm using a little effect here. Yeah. Craig Kilborn uh, from the Late Late Show with Craig Kilborn uh, was still hosting the Daily Show yeah. when something about me. So John Stewart hadn't even done the Daily Show yet. So, but those were the two guys. Um, quick fact check on my part. I felt very upset that I had messed this up. Um, I besmirched the good Police Academy name when I insinuated that Police Academy 6 was the one that went to Miami. Uh, it is actually Police Academy 5, Assignment Miami Beach. Police Academy 6 was actually called City Under Siege. And Police Academy 7, which did not go by Police Academy 7, it went by the title Police Academy Mission to Moscow, was the last police academy and it came out 25 years ago but just so that your wife fascinating Katie, 
did not get mad at me. I did one. But I was, by the way, just a moment to say how amazing my memory of awful films are. I was spot on about Matt McCoy taking over for Steve Gutenberg sure. in that one. And most people have no idea who Matt McCoy is. I should add just quickly before we go on to the rundown that if you like Billy Ocean, which 71% of our viewers did, he will be performing in Las Vegas on October 7th. Oh, so is that a one night engagement in Las Vegas? I, I, I don't know, but I, he will be performing. Who's, who's uh, opening? I, all I know is he's performing. It does not sound like it's one of the bigger casinos. Okay. Is it a casino? So, I probably not. It, it, it's probably. In fact, it could be a bar. It could be. I, I don't know where it. But he is performing uh, October 7th for anyone interested. All right, Jim, uh, we are on to The Shape of Water, yep. um, which was uh, your choice, which is an interesting choice, really different than anything we did. What's a quick rundown for somebody who has never seen this film? Yeah, What's so going on? Shape of Water uh, was done by Guillermo del Toro. Um, it is basically a modern day, not a modern day, but it's a, it's a fairy tale, a modern fairy tale that takes place in the 1960s uh, Baltimore uh, and it is basically about um, a mute uh, janitorial worker who works at a secret government laboratory where they're housing um, basically a, a sea monster merman type Thing. Merman. Yeah. I don't let's know what. Merman. Let's, let's go with merman. Merman. Dad. Uh, fishman. Merman. Basically, like the creature from the Black Lagoon, but yes. skinnier, faster, and more deadly. A little bit more. Yeah, a little more buff. Yeah. Um, and it's basically about the love story that follows those two characters. Um, yeah. yeah. So it stars yeah. um, Sally Hawkins, Octavia Spencer, uh, Michael Shannon, uh, Richard Jenkins, and Doug Jones. Um, and, you know, it, there's a lot to say about this movie. So yeah. I, as far I as the rundown, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I want to say something. Right. To break it down, it's a story about a human that falls in love with a monster. Right. In kind of like a, a created facility or the exact plot of Pretty Raptor. I no. It is exactly this. The movie you besmirched so strong. There is barely any difference between the uh, love story and Pretty Raptor that could have been and the love story in this. Uh, the acting would have been better in this movie and the writing. But I just yes. want to point it out that the, the core idea behind Pretty Raptor was the same idea behind this. Stop movie. trying to make Pretty Raptor happen. Same idea. Uh, okay, so why don't we go into film in five, five sequences, um, setups, things we liked. You know, yeah, instead yeah. of we just we kind of decided instead of just doing scenes, because um, sometimes that will limit us. Just five, you know, things major ideas yeah, that we yeah. want to go into. So we shoot right out to the opening title sequence. Yep. As soon as the the track comes out, and this is immediately setting the mood for the movie. It's uh, it's basically an underwater. Uh, the, the scene is an underwater apartment, basically, and yeah. you're kind of floating through. Um, and it has a voiceover from Richard Jenkins, who you find out later is uh, Elsa, Elsa's neighbor, uh, Giles. Yeah. Um, and he's basically, you know, telling you about the princess with no voice. Uh, so this mute character that we're about to meet. Um, and yeah, it, it immediately the mood is set. You know, it is clearly, um, you know, a. a a surreal environment. It is not an actual universe that we live in. It is, even though it's set in Baltimore, it is clearly a fairy tale. There, there, there is nothing about this movie from the get go that does not seem fantastical. <laughs> yeah. And I, um, I did not know a ton about this film. You know, I read a little bit about, but I don't know a ton about, so I, it definitely gets you in right away mm -hmm. in, in terms of how they do it. What I thought was really fascinating as I was looking about it, 
is um, that this sequence and and a lot of people watch it. We got some good feedback. People genuinely, not to spoil anything. I know I liked it. I know you liked. It. A lot of people like it. Yeah. You know, there's a question if people love it or. But it, what fascinated me about it was the way it was shot. You know, last week's movie, um, something about Mary. There was no need to really have discussion about camera choices or no. the technical thing. <laughs> this one was really interesting. And it was I was shocked to find out that this opening sequence mm -hmm. was not filmed in a tank and was not CGI. In fact, every water sequence in the mm -hmm. film is what they call wet dry. So when you watch it, if you're if you haven't watched it yet and you're watching us first and then you're gonna watch it, all of that was achieved by using smoke machines and lighting. That's awesome. Which is great. I mean, and they said it was even harder to do, but they said, and I've heard this before, when you shoot in a tank, it's so hard because you can only shoot for 30 seconds and it's hard to show emotion and all that type right. of stuff. So they spent eight weeks of prep on the costume, the lighting, oh. the set design, just eight weeks, yeah. all of them working together. But this sequence, the end sequence, which we'll get to the end, both those sequences were shot in just like a room we're in right now. Like we're just sitting here and they were now they did add some CGI fish and stuff like that. But the right, actual right. actors were not underwater, That's which so is cool. I mean, is so awesome to me. I think well, that they did that. One thing that I think will just permeate this entire discussion is just the attention to detail with this movie. Mm -hmm. And when when we talk about some of the other movies that we dealt with, this is to me um on the same level, if not more attention to detail than the Big Lebowski, and yeah. the other two certainly on at the very least equal on, to Big yeah, Lebowski. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything in this movie seems purposeful and seems to substantiate the story that he wants to tell. And uh, you know what's really interesting? Originally, he wanted to shoot this in black and white. And Which, can you imagine that, no, that now? It's to me is like not. crazy. And they actually said, well, we're going to give you a much lower budget if you do black and white because we can't. But to me, lighting yeah, and the it, use of lighting in this movie is is the color. about 50 is about 50 percent of what makes it so. I mean, the performances are amazing, but just the use of light. And they did it all uh, with gels. Yep, and the Which, light. What people don't know, could you tell people what gels are? Because some yeah, people don't so, know what so that gels, is. So um, gels are basically uh, filters that you would put in front of your camera lens um, or in front of the lights to uh, basically achieve a color filter like you would on your phone with with you know Instagram or something like that. But it's the old school technology, yeah. which is literally taking what is a colored sheet of sort of like cellophane. cellophane yeah yeah and and holding it in front of the light to create uh the ambiance of that color um and that is something that you know throughout this movie the color palette is just so incredibly uh well thought out it makes it feel um you know realistic but also you know you you know that this is like a fantasy world this is this is yeah, a world well, that, that, that we've never been that that we don't know um and so you know this the colors here are just so awesome it's this green kind of permeates the entire film which is just so cool uh, and do you remember when we worked with Chels in college i specifically did, see your, I did, did, you, see. did you remember the note i put down on it so we I, Lighting was not something I screwed around with, but I, <laughs> my work study job at the University of Scranton was the television studio. 
So I spent more time there than anywhere else, probably on campus in terms of an education environment. So I had to get Genie Lift certified so I could change all the lights and do. So the only time we ever used gels was when um, Jim and his friend Dave Falcone of uh, Pale Reason uh, came up. And this is when Storytellers was big back in the VH1 days. And we <laughs> yeah, said, well, yeah. let's do an acoustic thing. We're going to put a we're going to put some gels. And I'm like, yeah, fuck it. Let's just put some gels on the thing. We'll we'll turn the lights down. And I wish I don't. Do you have a copy of that? I know I gave you and Dave one. I am uh, sure that we have it somewhere. We should dig it up. because it was it. actually yeah. it was it was really good, actually. Yeah. Um, but that which isn't funny or anything the funny thing is this what was it uh our 15th college reunion was two years ago so our amazing professor professor holmes uh who is retired since from the university um she said i said you know i want to kind of get in the studio you know it's hard for people to understand i basically lived there for four years um i'm like can you she's like i'll bring you over we can go in and wouldn't you know that fucking red gel it's still up there it's still up there on that one light on that one spotlight that's never on that been one, used that one spotlight that was never used but well, i yeah but i learned that day though that the gel the gel lighting did look actually cool and they yes. used it in this and they use it per, so i'm thrilled they do this uh, from there we get this introduction into the character world yep. which again i think is very lebowski-esque and there's very i mean the characters are mute Right. So there's no but but I mean, you don't really know that yet, though. No, you don't. But just the way they establish all these shots, it's like you're starting to gain a lot of knowledge just because he pays so much attention into it. I mean, for example, right away, we know she enjoys masturbating while she makes hard boiled eggs. Um, Right. She synced that up with her egg timer, apparently, which is an interesting character trait, I guess. Well, I think I think it was trying to show you how regimented her life had become at this point we're meeting someone who is who is due to whatever circumstances basically doing the same thing every day with the same plan no deviation um you know it it had that feel to it for me Uh, yeah and i think it was interesting too that we know it's a fairy tale and it's at the time it's a fairy tale there's also a lot of very non-fairy tale-esque elements thrown into it which i think is an interesting you know, dynamic he was playing. I'm going to make a fairy tale, but this is not a Disney fairy tale. Which is very, all. very much his style. If you have okay. ever seen The Devil's Backbone, uh, which is a Spanish movie, but it, it was one of his first major films. Uh, it might, it's, be, it's his, amazing. It might be his best film. And it then, and then Pan's, Pan's Labyrinth. Labyrinth. Yeah. So, I mean, it's probably a toss up there. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we, we go into a, a character you really want to talk to, which I thought yes. was cool, too, which is Giles, the neighbor, which, by the way, yeah. unbeknownst, this should have been part of fact check. Remember when I said last week, one of my favorite sequences is something about Mary yep. was the psychologist. And I'm like, yeah, that guy, I can't remember his name, but I know he's gone on to do a lot. And lo and behold. Here he is. Here he is. And that's what's not planned at all by and, us. And kind of, I, I, for me, stole the movie. I think yeah, he, he was, was. He was awesome. He, he was, was awesome. excellent. Excellent in this movie as the uh, the neighbor. Um, he's an artist, starving artist. He refers to himself, an older, aging, starving artist, yes. which is um, clearly in the, t- you know, he's a painter. And you you kind of, you kind of find out that he is an advertising painter who is kind of being replaced by photographs at this point in the '60s, where you know you're moving from that environment of like Mad Men painting um, to photo, to, to and photo and realistic um, you know advertisements, and he is no longer really needed um, 
for whatever reason. You find out more about his character throughout the throughout the the movie, and they do a really good job of really fleshing out his story without making it become uh, kind of a main point. Of no, the movie. I think it's there's, there's actually some nice throwbacks there. Yeah. Also, the line where he tells us cornflakes were invented to stop masturbation. That masturbation was a big role in this film. Yeah, and I wonder if that if you could fact check that for next episode. I will because, fact check that. Because in fact, maybe we will tr- have a trial. <laughs> a, a clinical trial we can find some uh i'm sure there's some psychology school that does something i, I, I will fact check that i remember hearing somewhere that graham crackers were invented to like curb a person's libido like way back in the day so that that was something i don't that I had think heard. that's true yeah they're graham they're boring stick. Now, the graham crackers are pretty yummy. Only if you uh, get them with that cinnamon sugar on the outside. Or you put some uh, pudding on them. They're yummy, too. Uh, yeah, like you crunch it, up, crunch it up and eat it with some whipped cream. Maybe okay, some chocolate so you're chips. making like a, like a chocolate pie. Uh, I'm making like a, almost a parfait yeah, without, yeah, I see fruit, that. without any fruit. All right, um, I can follow you there. So, so, so we'll, we'll move on here. The second major idea we wanted to talk about, and the heart of the film here is, this is 2A and 2B will be a little bit later because right. of how they played out, but is the romance between the monster that never has a name, which I thought was a really interesting, yep. interesting they, choice, and not in a bad way. They basically but call the, him the asset. Yeah, and and... Our major character, Sally Hawkins, who is tremendous yeah, in this she's movie great. in every way, shape or form. So we get into this and there's a couple sequences we made note of it. it you know, she does an amazing. I actually thought I, I, I for the life of me, I don't have it up. If you have the computer, I don't know who won the Oscar for best actress that year. I thought her performance was in terms of a female role, one of the best I've seen in a long time. Um <laughs> I, I, I just thought yeah, and, I mean, and that might seem weird and maybe like you can't give an Oscar to somebody who doesn't have any really lines of dialogue. I thought she conveyed every emotion. Mm-hmm. She w- was fantastic. And uh, this is a, a, um, a plus to her, both to um, the Toro as well on this, that she is the strongest character in the movie. Yeah. Oh, I by think. far, by far, by far. And I think it's awesome that they did not from a fairy, uh, well, fairy tale perspective fall back and try to make her, you know, know, we can talk about the end monster saving her or whatever. I just thought it was some really cool stuff with that. Well, the one thing I didn't mention, we didn't mention is in that opening um, monologue where Giles is talking about the, uh, the monster who tried to ruin her or whatever he says. I forget for the edge word, but he's talking about Michael Shannon's character who we'll get to. But uh, I think he does, I mean, he, he the way he plays that character rises to the level as, as a good counterpart to her. You know, oh, she, yeah. she's not above and beyond the strongest character. I think, you know, he's oh, I meant, right there I, with I, her. I meant strongest in terms of I think she is the hero. She is oh, the, right, right, the right. one who tried. You know, I mean, they, they right. didn't shortchange her character in that way at all. No, no, but no, there's no. also some weird stuff here. There's some I this is, this is where I start to get a little bit weird on this movie. I like it. I'm super mm-hmm. glad I saw it. But like, so she sees the monster. Okay, so we get introduced. But so the the romance kind of starts building up and it starts with her walking in uh, to this thing. First of all, this monster is supposed to be an asset of like the CIA. She walks in with her hard boiled egg that she makes while she masturbates, uh, sits on the edge and does (laughs) this very fucking creepy seduction of placing the egg there and calling the monster over and it beautifully shot right and she's the, the, the i think the acting everything's great doug jones who plays the monster and he's covered 
all awesome. A little bit weirded out by it, a little bit weirded out. And I know it's just a fairy tale, so I get it. We're supposed to buy into it. They start doing the typical fairy tale romance montage of their falling in love type stuff. Yeah, this this was the only part of the movie that I really had a problem with, which was, you know, she's giving the monster the egg. It shows them him like being interested in the music that she's playing for him. uh, Benny Goodman and and some other records. Um, You know, I, I... I didn't f- it, not that we need to find it believable because we can suspend belief for this fairy tale but yeah but there still. wasn't a lot before we move on to the ne- what happens next to make me think that they had like some kind of connection yet I mean right? again like, on a personal level like there was a connection like this is this is my you know someone who's who's being nice to me but like to go as far as she goes is is it's interesting is, is that she's interested in him? That's the other thing. It's like clearly I, I get I I think we're supposed to understand that she feels like she's almost a monster because right. yes. she can't talk. So she's connect. I again, I think you're right. And and I, I don't want to get crazy because I said that same leap last week when we talked about something, Mary. I'm like, sometimes you just play on the tropes of right. the film right. to get there. Like right. people come and see movies. They're like, OK, this is a fairy tale. Right. Throw mm-hmm. me the Beauty and the Beast montage where they do a song, you know, like Belle will sing a song and the beast and Belle fall in love. In this right. case, she's going to play the record and they do it. Um, and feed but we get eggs. this. Yeah. And, and feed them eggs, I, which was interesting. Um, but within this, we figure out, we discover that Michael Shannon's character we're going to talk about next too. Um, it's a toss up between him and, and Sally Hawkins, who I yeah, love the yeah. most in this movie um, is going to, they're going to kill the monster to dissect him because they want to see the whole premise, I, which they only, it's like almost a throwaway line They're They want to use his, the way he breathes or something. Right. So it can help the, the NASA astronauts go to the moon. Okay. Right, right. So they decide they're going to kill him and carve him up. And that kind of leads to this idea. The guy who's involved with this is Michael Shannon, who we said last week is tremendous and everything he does uh maybe not so much man of steel but that's not his fault at all uh and jim even said the fahrenheit 451 michael shannon was was good enough the rest of the movie wasn't yeah, that yeah. great um but you had some cool insight which i didn't even pick up on which is his intro music yeah which it, was it, it, and it not exact but there was a vibe to it right, right. and technically it wasn't hit only him entering because at the moment they were bringing the the creature in and what looked like the iron lung from uh Lebowski, um, <laughs> the, the music it did actually look a lot like the Iron Lung. Yeah, line, yeah. Right? Um, you know, it had definitely had a Vader feel to that it did. moment. I, that was so. I actually went back and watched that clip when you said it. And, and I, I was think, was I right? I, no, I thought you were. You okay. know what? It, there was so much going on, and the first time you watch some of these movies, like a lot of the movies we'll watch, we'll probably have seen multiple times. Mm-hmm. This was a one-off for me. You know, I what first time I watched it. Um, and I tend not yeah, Jim, yeah. Jim. Jim's more the audio guy. I like to. I'm. I'm trying to just focus, figure out sometimes how they're shooting stuff because I find it so. But that was. I was yeah. so right on that. The way and they use sound very effectively. In and I film. think he when he entered, um, it was clear from the get go, like Vader, that this was a guy who accomplished his goals by fear, <laughs> and you know right off the bat. <laughs> and uh, I I do have to say this. Um, and a couple of people who, who were good friends with um, from school, who we knew in school, have been commenting. And again, yeah, comment yeah. all the time on social media. We love it. And and I'm kind of tying in with them. The more I thought about the movie, maybe the more I like it. 
I don't think this necessarily falls into a category that I love, but there's certain sequences now yeah. I'm thinking about. And I think one of the more memorable sequences that I'll keep thinking about is this Michael Shannon in the bathroom hand-washing sequence. Oh, God, yes. Um, which is just the way they blocked it, the way they both acted it, the way they shot it. So basically, Michael Shannon walks into the bathroom and Octavia Spencer and Sally Hawkins are cleaning the bathroom and he comes right. in and says, oh, don't worry. And at this point, we I don't have we even heard him say anything yet at this point. We saw him walking with the Vader music oh, and right. or maybe say uh, a throwaway line or something. But he comes in and he's and he's washing his hands. But it's just the tone of his voice, the way he delivers lines lets you know this is a creepy, creepy dude. And he goes and he like washes his hands, then goes to the bathroom and then is like, you don't wash your hands twice. You wash them. I I don't even want to go through the whole monologue, but it was like this kind of very odd, demented, which he delivers brilliantly. And again, it's like not so much what he's saying. It's like gives you an idea of the mindset of this guy, how he's going to deliver lines. But it also sets up the fact the next time we see him, the monster bit his fingers off. Right. And it, it, there is just something so creepy about uh, that that bathroom scene, because not only does he not wash his hands, but he also basically I don't want to say he forces the women to remain in the bathroom while he goes to the oh, bathroom. He, I, oh, no, I think he absolutely does. Right. I think He's using whole, his fear and power. Sub, yeah. There's a whole subtext. And Michael Shannon is basically this is a commentary of. I think almost everything's wrong with a certain mindset of certain men in the world. Right. And he's playing out that archetype of I'm going to be dominant. And we could talk. We'll go on some other elements here of lines. He says, yeah, and yeah, yeah. And, and, and the relationship, you know, it's, it does kick off the beginning of his relationship with water throughout the, the movie. Yeah. Which is not good. No, 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 <laughs> he's no. not have a good relationship with water at all. No. In this film. Um, um so the one thing, fingers. Oh, go, go ahead, go ahead. One thing I wanted to bring up was, he, and, and I think it might be the. I'm trying to remember when this exact happens, but he he's got some great lines, and and I just want to talk about a few of them. Oh um, yeah, no, you put some great quotes. So does the say first one great. is, and if you're not paying attention, it. it it just could just be a throwaway line, which is it's Lebowski esque again. It's Lebowski esque, like but this is so like meta. Listen, listen. This is so meta for the actors because he is uh, talking to Octavia Spencer and Sally Hawkins about something, and he just says he kind of realizes that he's talking to two two you know maids, you know, maids. yeah. And he just says, "What am I doing interviewing the help?" Which is basically a throwaway line until it like a bell went off in my head and it's like, oh. This is, a, this is this is Didn't she win the Oscar? She well, won the she Oscar. She was at least nominated, right? I, I, I think she. I think she won. Yeah. So I thought that uh, was great pretty line. Funny. That's great. Yeah. Tell the other one. The other one, I died laughing because I forgot about the line. And you yeah. Put it on and so he's talking Shoshi. to. Oh, and I forget his. Uh, I forget the actor's name, but he played uh, Arnold Rothstein in in um, Boardwalk Empire. Yeah. Very uh, good. Uh, yeah. No. I'll hold on. I can find it. So yeah. but go ahead. It's not and about he, that. He's playing. He's basically a doctor um, who was examining the creature, and we find out later that he is uh, a Russian spy, and he's he's basically trying to infiltrate and, and gain assets from the U.S. so that. 
Russia can, you know, get a leg up on whatever it is, uh, the space race, whatever. Um, and for whatever reason, he get, you know, th- there's a constant uh, issue with Michael Shannon and his character because Michael Shannon wants to kill the monster. This guy wants to keep it around. He's starting to realize that it's a it's an actual intelligent being. Yeah. Um, and Michael Shannon just yells at him one time. It's like Doctor Fucking Shitbird, which just just made me crack up uh, laughing because, you know, there are very few ways to sh- say Shitbird without like making people laugh. And I think I, the first time I ever remember hearing that term specifically was the Shitbird? wire. Was the wire, uh, which is. Set. I wonder if it's a callback because it's set in Baltimore. Set that in would Baltimore. Be, yeah. So, uh, and and I feel like there's a lot of that going on in this movie. There are there is basically a love story between the monster and Sally in this movie, but there's also a love story clearly with Guillermo del Toro and just film in general. I oh, mean, yeah. he uses every chance he gets in this movie to display. Uh, another another piece of you know film whether it's someone watching something on tv whether it's the 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 theater below where sally lives is it's, showing well, different just the movies fact that and that's yeah the, the, there is yeah, yeah. and so like um, i i like that I, I like to think that that's a reference to the wire if it wasn't i'm still going to pretend it is well it doesn't matter yeah it's, it's to us it's a reference to the wire which we yeah. love yeah. um a couple other things i found really interesting to him this might be one of the most despicable despicable characters in film Oh my the god! The part yes. where he's like he go the, so then he has Octavia Spencer and Sally Hawkins. And he goes, "I'm gonna." He's he basically pins down Sally Hawkins. And says, I'm gonna make you squeal. Oh my like god! He's gonna dude. like this like oozing that. But then you get this whole thing about him where we go home right. to his house and his wife is there, which was weird. Like she's like wants to have sex with him. But then she's like, let me smell your hand because his fingers that were bit off were put back on. And listen, I am. Let me let me tell you something. I am the last person if we already if Jim obviously knows this and everybody who started to watch the show knows the last person to say, like, complain about just like weird nudity put in because I love 80s films, which just used to do that. But I thought this was just a weird See, I, I understand it was playing more into the this idea of his dominant, like how he sees women, I think. Yep. It, uh, which is key. But I also thought I found a um, Del Toro quote about this movie that I thought fit Michael Shannon perfectly. Right, let me hear it. Let me hear it. And he said, and I think accepting that you are a monster gives you the leeway to not behave like one. When you deny being a monster, you behave like one. And if you think about who the monster is in this movie, yeah. he's, I, I think, even though he doesn't say, he's pretty self-aware of where he is. Sally Hawkins, who thinks of herself as a monster, I think as we'll talk about the romance with the monster fully embraces who she is. Right. The person who's not embracing who they are and how they behave is him. And I think it's a real commentary of, yep. of people in general who, who think of themselves as, well, I have a job to do. I'm going to do this. This is who I am. There's nothing wrong with how I do. There's nothing wrong with me as an individual. Right. And that allows them to go do these things, which I thought his character was the epitome of that. Right. And and he, he uh, also hides behind a, a bit of Christianity as well. And, uh, and he doesn't come right out and say that, you know, he's Catholic or, or whatever, but he, he does talk about, you know, being made in God's image and that monster is not that. And so this and that, and he quotes, quotes the Bible, uh, here and there. It's, it's just so, 
I think he's doing a really good job. Del Toro is doing a really good job of playing with the idea of what what a monster is, right? So you have Sally who believes she's a monster. You have you know the asset who you know by outward appearances is, is a monster, monster but and he's you not have, the right right and then you have like these other characters that are kind of thrown in here right so like you think this russian spy and the russians and what you know is this guy going to be just an awful person and, and he turns out to be a great a good guy well no end. because i guess again he's another example of the terror um the tourist quote right that guy knew what he was right, right. and when you know what you are I, I, I love that line. And there yeah. was also one other throwaway thing here, which I don't know if many people caught on. One of Giles' failed campaigns. Yes, I was, was going to talk the, about Giles. Was the, was the green jello. Right. They said, oh, the family doesn't look happy enough. And then in the last scene you see with Shannon and his family, the wife's bringing out the green jello. Right. And she's like, that's, and I think that's almost a commentary on the, uh, the American family of, you know, we're, right. we're sold this idea, again, of like the monster. We're sold what monsters are. Right. We're sold what the perfect families are. When the reality is much more in line with what Giles was showing. And right. his understanding, because Giles had embraced who he was as a person. Well, not yet. Them. Not yet. Because in the, in the throughout the movie, you kind of get that. But there is the part with the green jello with Giles as well, which is he's going to the diner every once in a oh, while to, get the to, weird, to, uh, to yeah. hit on the server there. And, th you know, this is where you find out that Giles is, uh, Giles is, is gay and he yeah. has he has a he has a thing for these, uh, you know, the server at the diner. And this guy at the diner um, basically says, oh, you want the key lime pie. But when you look at it, it's not really key lime pie. It's like key lime jello yeah it says I, I don't like key, yeah yeah and and you also realize that he, he when sally doesn't want the jello he goes all right i'll save it and he goes to put it in his fridge and there's like 15 other slices of that pie yeah. in there which means he's been going to the diner not getting that pie and not yeah. eating it meaning to me that really signals in exactly what you mentioned he is not admitting to himself who he Why is yeah. and who that who that server is right and then he quickly realizes when when the server shows outward racism and um, homophobia and, and homophobia every, you know, and everything every, yeah, every other that he kind of and then kind of inspired by Sally he he sort of you know owns his self as well right he he yeah. becomes more of himself well he does and he yeah. becomes it through the next idea that I think would just shoot through this very quickly sure. which is the breakout sequence oh, so yeah, yeah, they yeah. know Michael Shannon's gonna kill him. great little I love this and one of my favorite movies of all time which we'll do is Mission Impossible oh, yeah, and yeah. and they're they're very good at this but setting up just the breakout it's always some kind of heist or some kind of thing and it's he shoots it beautifully Hopefully, uh, this is where the point where every camera shot was planned out to be like they were floating. So you were supposed to feel like you were in water yes. in this whole whole movie. It was all steady cams. I love it. I mean, I, as we know, I'm an amateur. Want to be reading on cinematography now? But the first thing I saw, I was like, I just love this. It's like the 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 shots start out and the camera's already in motion. And that right. was all plan it was amazing. But basically we don't we don't have to go too much into this. They they're able to break the monster out. Right. And that gets us to the second phase of the girl monster relationship. And I just have to say this. So they break the monster out. Right. They bring the monster back. They put the monster in the tub. Which I had assumed it was the was Sally Hawkins tub, but it might have been Giles tub, whatever. I just want to point this out. So I see this and I pause the film and I turn to my wife, Elaine, who's watching with me, and I turn to her and say, where is she going to masturbate now? 
Upon which she turns upon which she turns to me and says, I was just thinking the same exact thing. <laughs> oh man. And that is why we have been together for 14 oh, years. Right, right. So, you know, she's changed me for all the better ways, and Jim can tell you that. I have clearly changed her for not in the better way. Whoa. If that if that's, that's the analysis of the film that she is is, is t- gravitating towards like I am. But the monster is now That's not here nor there, right? Yeah, the monster is out. And we get a kind of cool final, like finally monster esque scene. Talk about the cat. The cat oh my sequence God. So was crazy. You learn that Giles has a bunch of cats that he's taking care of. He's like a spinster, right? He's a he's a yeah. he's an old old gay every artist. Typical, who, they're gonna play every right. typical cliche of an old gay artist. He right, a, right. He has cats okay. and and but he he's super smart and um so I'm trying to remember how this starts, but the he falls asleep, I think. Yeah. Giles falls asleep. He's like asleep. sketching the monster and he right. falls asleep. He falls asleep and the monster decides, you know what? I'm going to get out of this tub. I can walk around. I can be out of the water for a little bit. So he he's wandering around. He wanders over to uh, Giles' apartment where he sees the the and this is one of the one of the moments where um you know, they start to show you that the monster has more intelligence and more. Yes. Um, because there's he's, much more to him now. Right. So he's in motion and you're rec- He's recognizing the beauty in the artwork, right? He, he's going up to Giles painting and drawing and sketches of, of himself and saying, and, and he's just looking at him, but you can tell that he's, he's like, wow, that's beautiful. And he realizes how, how beautiful it is. Then from that beautiful moment, it quickly yeah. turns to one of yes. Giles cats meowing at him and the monster kind of you know doing his monster thing and making his noise and which at that point wakes up Giles which it cuts yes. back to Giles he he realizes the monster is not in the in the bathtub in the top. he gets up runs across the hall and goes no 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 and the monster is on the floor eating his cat the cat yeah. <laughs> eating the cat and it's pretty gruesome like you kind of get a split second view of like the cat might not have a head anymore but, I, but I, that's but yeah but that's played out like to me I thought of the scene again this is maybe pathetic but in Beauty and the Beast when the beast attacks the wolves and saves right, Belle right, right. You see the monster side of them. Right. Uh, from there, um, we get monster sex. <laughs> there is some sex with the monster, and this shit is very weird. Yes. Um, I, I Aileen turned to me and asked, why is Jim picking monster and fetish porn movies for us to watch? We learn uh, – I, I asked this question. So we see that they're about to have sex. She walks in nude to the monster. Right. And then she explains to Octavia Spencer that he has a re- retractable penis. Right. So the monster has a retractable penis. There's monster sex. Um, I will say this. The only – there was two monster sex scenes in this film. Which might might get us on some kind of watch list um, and also sets me up for your homework assignment this week because uh, I, I and you can Jim got a new job, which is fantastic and it's amazing and we love it. And congratulations. I know many of you might be shocked to know that this show is not enough for us to uh, make a living on. In fact, we have not made a cent uh, on this show. No, we're in the uh, hole a good 10 grand. Uh, uh, yeah, we're point. in the hole a lot on this. Um but your homework, and I found this today on my own personal phone because I myself am not looking this up. It's, I said, you know, there are a lot of weird people in the world that like to write fan fiction. Dude, you should be careful. There is a whole erotic fan fiction shape of water 
crowd out there. And I want you to find a passage uh, for next week's episode, oh, one Jesus. that you really like, of so, uh, ask, involve Katie in it. Okay. Uh, Shape of Water fan fan. Fanfic. I want. Okay. I, I want. I want something steamy. And by the way, I teased this on social media before we get to the ending of the film. Uh, did you catch the Charles in Charge Easter egg? The the Murphy bed. The Murphy bed. Yeah. Uh, Charles in Charge. Giles is sleeping in a Charles in Charge style bed. So Back to Scott Bayo. One uh, of the things. References. One of the things that was also con- contrasting. Um, you know, Shannon. The 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 human versus the monster with the retractable penis is that, you know, the monster is not walking. He's basically walking around nude the whole movie. Oh, right? yeah, and absolutely. you never, you never see his penis, but huh. you do Shannon, Michael Shannon's walk. His character's walking around with this giant black bat the entire movie oh, well, yeah, as if to and, show his dominance. Yeah. And his nasty ass fingers. How disgusting were those fingers yes oh, and, oh we kind of we kind of breezed over that that part but well there's a whole like uh, that theme of it. him being rotten and just rotting and getting worse and yeah. worse from and and basically what what you know uh, like you said if you don't believe you're the monster the the there's no you're gonna keep what rotting you're, what you're capable yet. of and it's there's one of the most disgusting katie had to turn away uh, when he bites his fingers off? Not that part. Not the part where he pulls them off, but but the part where he's yelling at Octavia Spencer in the room uh, when he goes to confront her about where the oh, monster yeah. went, which is that scene alone, you know, th- you know, and we'll talk a little, little bit about whether we thought this was a best picture or not, but that scene in and of itself is worthy of, of praise because, you know... No, it, very good. Yeah, it, it is it is just great beginning to end, again, showing how awful this human can be to other people. Um, and he squeezes his Ugh. decaying finger. Pus coming yeah, it's oh, disgusting. But it is, uh, it, it's a good illustration well, of what's going on to his, I guess, his soul at that point. Yeah, you know? everything. Uh, so the ending is basically the monster's on the run. Michael Shannon comes after him. We get to a dock in Baltimore, which looked, I thought for a second, was the doc that we would uh, several years ago, our, our good friend Lori Carino got married yeah, yeah. Um, and we went to the wedding in Baltimore. It was a wedding in Baltimore, which is awesome. And my wife was pregnant at the time. So Jim and I decided this is fucking awesome. The wedding was late in the day. Yeah. Uh, we went to the bar from homicide right. took pictures outside. And it looked, I thought it was right on that area where we we're standing, which by it the way, lunch was awesome. The, the river, the waterfront, which wasn't—I don't think the name of the real place—but it was. It was pretty cool. We went yeah, there because yeah. we love homicide. But so basically, it's your typical ending. You know, um, they're trying to protect the monster. Michael Shannon shows up, shoots the monster. But we had learned by this point the monster can heal himself. Gave, he gave Giles his hair back. <laughs> yes. Sally Hawkins gets shot. The monster grabs Sally Hawkins, jumps in the water. Typical ending. He kills. By the way, just as a quick aside, I wanted Michael Shannon to have a worse death. It was not to me. It was not though. I get it. I yeah, got the imagery. They cut his throat so he couldn't speak. Speak right. Like, but I just wanted him eaten. I wanted his. I wanted them to go full cat. I wanted the monster to go cat action. <laughs> on they fall into the water, and then it's interesting because the movie poster, all the imagery from this movie was the last scene, right. which I thought was so fat. Like they showed you what the end is. The monster kisses her. 
Mm-hmm, right. And she comes to life, and then the scars on her neck are gills. Yeah, which, we did talk by about the that, way, but, but yeah, whatever. because I, I, I think that's I didn't like that. I'm like, yeah, it was it was clearly gill, but whatever. And uh, they film that with smoke machines and stuff. All in all, we, we come to an end, and let's kind of talk about what we liked, what we didn't look, uh, didn't like here in a quick shot. Uh, here, what are what are like one or two things you really like? So for me, uh, Giles, the neighbor, uh, from beginning to end of this movie, I was just every time he was on screen, I was into what he was saying. I thought he was funny, um, but also like, like just a heartwarming character in general. Um, and for someone who seemed to have lost like his faith in in all other people to see him kind of come back towards the end was just great um the color again of this movie the color palette that is used it is just to me this is like one of my um like aesthetics like i just love the way it felt i love all the greens then and that kind of you know alternate version of the 60s uh kind of look at it uh and again like the attention to detail even like that first scene where you're seeing her go through her morning routine and looking at the bathroom and how like you know they clearly set the all the set designs were not they didn't none of these places existed it did everything had everything was constructed yeah Yeah, like the tile just i i was just looking at the tile in her bathroom and how it was cracked and 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 distressed in certain ways, and it was just, you know, it, it makes me think of like uh, when I when I really love a song and I really love an album, and every every piece, every note, sort of supports what what the writer is trying to accomplish, what message they're trying to send, and I think he just knocked it out of the park when you look at that perspective. Yeah, my two ups, Sally Hawkins, Michael Shannon as well. But I just, yeah, again, yeah. I thought Sally Hawkins, I just, everything about her performance I love. And then I already mentioned the camera movement. Right. I thought was awesome. Uh, downs for me, just quickly. I, I thought they at times got, I almost, it was, I understand they wanted to be fairy tale. It was almost, they got caught where it was kind of fairy tale like, but not fairy tale like enough. Right, it's just right. a slight complaint. I, right, I, I right. In, again, it's only so. the other thing is, is as a talking point here. I'm not quite sure that in my mind this is best picture caliber. It won mm-hmm. the best picture. Yep. I, I I like the movie, and the more I think about it, I think it's cool. I you know, and some years differ from others. Right. But I I I thought there were some good performances, some good cinematography. I just don't know if this when I when if you know when we do Oscar month, we're going to do Oscar winning pictures. Mm-hmm. We've already talked about this. I don't know if this is one that stacks up with some of the great Oscar. And again, that sure, takes nothing. Sure takes nothing away from it i'm just not sure to me this is necessarily what i would perceive as the best picture yeah that makes sense i could see that um for me the only drill down was in it and me and uh, katie were talking about this as we were watching it it's just there was something in that first part of the romance prior to the escape where i thought that we just needed one piece of a scene um to show a little bit more of a connection because yeah, I, I, agree. I I think, you know, you saw her giving him the eggs and, and like attracting him with music and, and dancing and, and stuff like that. But there was no indication other than the fact that he wanted eggs and, you know, liked music that he had any kind of connection to her 
so it would have been nice to see one thing from him towards her in that moment to sort of just build that connection a little bit more. But that's I'm really starting to nitpick at that point. Like I, yeah. I, I now, did not find a lot wrong with this movie. Do, do you think this movie was a prequel to Splash? No, I have an However, idea that this might be Daryl Hannah's uh, parents. Uh, this film, to me, was lacking John Candy, but this could be a prequel to Splash, potentially. Wasn't it Tom Hanks? No, no, John Candy was in the film. Oh, okay. Tom Hanks was good, but John Candy was the really, I think, funny one in the film. Okay. But, but they the, could be Daryl Hannah's parents. But the uh, the other one is, uh, you know, Doug Jones playing the monster. Also, prior to this, played Abe Sapien in both Hellboy movies, who oh, is yeah. pretty much the same exact character. Yeah, Except maybe. he can speak English, so maybe he is the... Yeah, uh, well, you know, there is a new Hellboy. It got pushed back three months, though. I it love just, those movies, by the way. Yeah, the, the new one just got pushed back three months. All right, so that... That is thumbs up, thumbs down. Now it's time to go spanning the globe, pop culture style. Uh, first, uh, a couple of things. Instant reaction. Dark Phoenix trailer dropped today. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down on the Dark Phoenix trailer? I'm sideways on this one. I I, I love the X Men. Did you um, like the new class? Because I'm. I loved the first two. The first okay. two. I really liked First Class and what yeah, was the next one? Day, uh, no, not Days of, of That was terrible. Days of Future Past was bad. Apocalypse wasn't was that bad. the second one? I thought there was one in a, between. No, I don't think so. I think that this would be the fourth in okay. this new Well, then I round. only liked the first one. <laughs> yeah. I, um, I stopped watching Apocalypse after 25 minutes. Yeah. And so I just this, there's just something. And, 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 um, What's his name? Who uh, James McAvoy is fantastic, and Michael Fassbender. Oh, I don't think I don't actually think the performances well, are hold, bad. Hold on, I just hold on, don't. Hold on. The care. the the. I think they own like those characters, and like I. But there's something about all the other characters who are the real X Men that I just don't like. You know Jennifer Lawrence and like the, I I just don't feel like they are the characters. Like when I see them, I'm like these are actors. I don't. I'm not invested. Hugh Jackman is not involves like anymore at all right so, and, yeah. and so like and and even that was a problem with the other x-men too like he was really him and patrick stewart i thought were the only ones that really felt that way in those movies you know um and ian McCall, obviously as magneo he was great but yeah i think this is a problem with the x-men franchise is just they haven't built these characters in the way that the avengers have been built so there's not really much to care about personally for each one yeah, I'm thumbs down. I, I told you, I didn't finish Apocalypse. Uh, I don't really want to see this movie. And, and and to tie this in with the other news that was actually the talking point we're going to do for a leadoff yeah. here, Kevin Feige, who mm -hmm. runs the Avengers and the Marvel, MCU, yeah. was it was announced that he's taking over the X-Men. Thank God. Because uh, holy and by the way, does that make this film even more irrelevant? Because, yeah. you know, he is cleaning house. All these people are gone. Yeah. It's like, you know, 20th Century Fox is like, let's just get this out. We'll make right. some money. But I I hope that they and I'm really confident now with him doing it, that they're going to be able to come up with a really intriguing way. And I, you know what else is going to go back to them? Fantastic Four. And I think they're going to be able to just do, stop with which, that. But no, but they could. They were Fantastic Four was always best with X Men when they intermit. Yeah, but put it all, roll it all into him, and I think that's the dark 
Phoenix I want to see but because you, I have faith. Who is who is uh, Jean Grey in this one? It's uh, uh it's from um, yeah, Game Sansa. of Thrones. Sansa. Sansa from Game of Thrones. I just I forgot the actress's name, but I there's just something about uh, when I was watching the trailer, like I wanted to be a little more excited about like. No, nah, it's it, you it can't didn't be. look good. There was it no set. I, I think X Men. By the way, I, I think in five years we're going to be talking about X-Men in a whole different way. Yeah. Because I really have faith that they're going to do there. All right. Second talking point in spanning the globe here. MCU is basically the rumors coming out. Disney starting its own streaming system. Yeah. Uh, as part of that, Star Wars, first of all, Netflix, if you love anything Disney or Marvel on Netflix or Hulu, wow. say goodbye because it, it's gone to the Disney streaming. Uh, rumors are floating out there. They're going to start for the secondary Avenger characters doing eight episode kind of Jack- Ryan miniseries type stuff. Uh, the first two are going to be Loki and Scarlet, which again, apparently, you know, or rumored. Uh, who would you like to see a show? One, just one character, no even explanation. Which secondary Marvel character, maybe hasn't even been in a film, do you want to see having a show? Oh man, you go first. Let me think about that for uh, a second. I, you know, I was kind of torn on this one um, in terms of going back and forth. I thought. Uh, Ultimately, I would like to have something uh, in the Black Panther universe. Mm -hmm. I think some of this, an offshoot of one of those characters, because the reality to me with this is you can't pick one of the big, big guns sure. because they're not going to spend the money on special effects and things like that. But I thought Ryan Coogler and Black Panther set such a great universe within Wakanda that they could have like one of the offshoot spies or something having a show. I don't know enough about the Black Panther com comics to know who that would be, but I think somebody in that realm right. would be really awesome. I would say someone like, like and, and the movie's coming out, which looks absolutely god-awful, but a character like Venom would be perfect for a series like this, which yes. could, could mirror something like like uh, Daredevil on Netflix, yeah. um, a dark, gritty city environment where he is, you know, Eddie Brock. And, and but but God, this as much as I like Tom Hardy, this movie looks terrible. No, uh, you know, what? it's another Marvel, non Marvel movie, of course, you know, of that's, course. which is is the problem there. Uh, so that's MCU news. Uh, our third uh, one right here, Michael B. Jordan, who we've talked about almost every week here, mm -hmm. um, was announced this week to be playing John Clark. So for any Tom Clancy fans out there, other than Jack Ryan, Tom, uh, John Clark is the most famous character of all time. Mm -hmm. um, a little bit of controversy, maybe I read all the Clancy stuff, love classic Clancy stuff, but he's been signed to be in Without Remorse, which some would argue is the best Tom Clancy novel. Uh, Without Remorse is set in Baltimore, ironically, um, and is about a Vietnam vet. So if you're going to have some problems with it, I understand. John Clark now is a 60-something-year-old white man. Uh, Michael B. Jordan is a late 20-year-old black man. Yeah. But this is awesome. It's apparently a two-picture deal when she'll play John Clark and Without Remorse and Rainbow Six. Now, what a lot of people don't realize, a lot of people know Rainbow Six from the video game, which right, was a right. huge Great book as well. I think it's a really inspired casting decision, and I'm really, really excited um, to see him in that. I don't. Did you ever read Without Remorse? I know your dad definitely would. Yeah, your dad no, loves I don't know. I I'm trying to remember. I've read Hunt for Red October. I think. I, I haven't read much Tom Clancy. It's not, it's yeah, not this, my style. Of, you, yeah, I, yeah I, I think this is great. So I think that could be a real plus. The other and thing, that, by the way, yeah. uh, 
speaking of Michael B. Jordan, the Creed 2 trailer also dropped. Yes. And, and, the, and uh, we don't need to spend time on it because it just looks fantastic. Ah, it will actually come up momentarily okay. because we have a new segment this week called Six and Sixty, where I will ask Jim six pop culture related oh, questions in 60 seconds. And in honor of the masturbating egg timer from The Shape of Water, <laughs> I went out and bought an egg timer today to time our 16 Brian, seconds. We're already 10 grand in the hole. We can't afford an egg all timer. All right. So we're going to start the timer and it will go off. All right. So here are your six questions. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. Question number one. Uh, later, uh, Earlier this week, Space Jam 2 starring LeBron James Pass. was announced to go into production. Are you thumbs up or thumbs down uh, on Space Jam 2? Thumbs two? down. I don't care right. about that kind of stuff. Okay. Here we go. Question two. More Michael B. Jordan news. The new two, uh, Creed 2 trailer dropped this week. The film calls back to Rocky IV and has the sons of Apollo Creed and Ivan Drago fighting. Is Rocky IV actually a good film? No, it is not a good film. All right, good. Uh, question three here. What is a food item you would uh, only eat in the fall? Oh, geez. Do you have something uh... you would only eat and the clock is ticking. Uh -oh. no, no, no. Well, well, we'll just finish them out. But I would right, say what do you, what do you got? in the fall, uh, I don't know, um, butternut squash. Butternut squash. There you go. Uh, we might have to do more on 6 and 60. Yeah. You know, just call it that. You're very slow at reading. Uh, so, well, there's a lot here. There's a lot of lead. <laughs> You're very to cut wordy, these, these questions. Uh, it's Will Smith's 50th birthday this week. <laughs> Which Will Smith song is better? Summertime or Getting Jiggy With It? Oh, dude, neither. Which are you more uh, likely uh, to listen to? Probably Summertime. Okay. But if I if I had to pick a Will Smith song, i go way back to Parents don't, Just Don't Understand or uh, Nightmare on My Street. Yeah, but that's DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. So Come I was, on, it was just Will Smith. All right, here we go. Uh, question number five, Super Nintendo or Sega Genesis? Oh, I was Genesis all the way. Okay, perfect. Golden and question, Axe, baby. Golden question Axe. number six here. If you were going to engage in a sexual relationship with a half humanoid, half animal, what type of animal would it be? Oh, Jesus, Brian. I, I pass. I do not want to answer this question i don't want to i don't want to be involved in this podcast maybe anymore you are the one who picked this film uh which is basically bestiality porn is no. what you picked is for it? us to watch i got yelled at for picking uh something about me which i didn't even pick the fans picked no by you the way. picked it and as an you, option and as an option and the fans wanted it in huge record numbers Huge record numbers. And you pick beast porn for us and you won't even answer the question. All right. So we'll do six and 60 next week as well. Uh, time to go into recommendations. What do you have for us this week for recommendations, Jim? Uh, so I will again, recommend the Dasani sparkling water. It is awesome. Um, also, uh, the whiskey that I had at the bar tonight, Elijah Craig Barrel Proof, super yummy stuff. Awesome, awesome. They're, they have t Elijah Craig has two. Uh, well, actually, they have more than two, but the the two you can sort of find out there are the small batch, um, which is very good and relatively cheap, and then the uh, Barrel Proof, which is a little more expensive, uh, but is is excellent, excellent uh, bourbon. So try those out. Um, also, music wise. If uh, I, I've been getting uh, listening uh, on my way to work to uh, a little Dr. Dog, so a band that I is a Philly band that have kind of, um, you know, gone on to much bigger things. But um, Dr. Dog's record Fate is still one of my favorite records. Get out and listen to that. Um, it has a lot of really great uh, songs on it. 
Excellent. All right, my recommendations for this week. First, from a beer perspective, if you can find it, uh, Natty Bow, uh, National Bohemian Beer uh, of Baltimore fame. Uh, it's delicious, cool-looking can, of course. A uh, couple other things I recommend highly, Without Remorse, if you're interested in Michael B. Jordan films. Yes. Uh, fantastic book, Clancy-related. Uh, finally, this was a book I had plugged the first two episodes of our podcast, Red War, is officially out now. Um, you weren't able to buy it before. Now it is on stands. First week, hoping to be number one on the New York Times bestseller list. Highly recommend that. Um, and that is it for me for recommendations this week. What do we got plug-wise? Uh, check us out on uh, Facebook, uh, YouTube, uh, Com Majors, and uh, also on Twitter. We are at Majors.com. And uh, you can always watch us live on Twitch while we're recording, usually Thursday nights. And uh, that is at uh, twitch.tv slash soldier on TV. Uh, yeah. And you can if you if you want to join there, you can actually chat with us. We've had a few people jumping in the chat and and, uh, you know, asking us questions and giving us some ideas as we go along. And we would always greatly appreciate that. Uh, upcoming, we put this out on social media, talked about it briefly last week, but on October 25th, so start planning accordingly, we'll be doing a Com Majors live event on Twitch, uh, our first ever bestseller to blockbuster event, where we are reading and viewing Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I'm in the mm -hmm. process of reading it currently. We will watch it. Uh, we would love to hear your questions. If you know any Harry Potter fans, please share that out there. We know there are so many of them, and we yeah. think this is going to be a cool thing. I am going to be making some alcoholic butterbeer. Uh, Jim uh, will be drinking alcoholic butterbeer as well. His I wife, not. Katie, has already shared that she has some recipes, so we will make sure that he's there. We, have a, we will have a special guest, Harry Potter expert, uh, hopefully joining us for that episode, and we think that is going to be a lot of fun. And we're also teasing um, we are only two weeks away from the big Jim Comes to Boston event, yep. uh, and we, we've already started sketching out what that is going to look like, and we it, it seems like it's going to be a good time. Would you not uh, agree there, Jim? I think it's going to be a great time, Brian. Um, so our movie next week, uh, this is uh, one that popped into my mind, one of my favorites in terms of thinking and discussing. We're going to be watching Christopher Nolan's Inception, which I have not seen in a long time. Um, I saw it in the theater and I'm excited to watch it again. I think I saw it maybe once after the theater, but it is a pretty dense movie. So it's not a it's not one that you're just like, oh, I'm going to jump into Inception <laughs> today. No, no, no. And I'm I'm psyched because I'm the opposite. Uh, for years, I taught psychology mm -hmm. and we would use that film every year. So I think it'll be interesting to have. I, awesome. I've, taught the, I've taught the film uh, before. So I think it'll be interesting to have these two different takes. Uh, and that's it for us. We had another great time with you guys. Make sure, as Jim said, you follow us on all those spots. Share, comment. Uh, we're going to see what um, fanfic of Shape of Water Jim has for us next <laughs> yep, week. Yep, yep. No doubt it will be um, exciting beyond belief. If you think there's something that we need to fact check, or if you have any 6 and 60 pop culture questions you'd like to ask, uh, we will also have our pre-show music vote coming up this week, of course, Billy Ocean. If you're in the Las Vegas area, check Billy Ocean out. Um, but other than that, uh, that's all we have for you, and we will see you next week with Inception. Yep. Thanks, guys. See ya.